Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast available on your favorite podcast app when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance and part one of his teaching in Revelation chapter 18 about the judgment of Babylon. The fall of Babylon. So in Revelation 17, we saw this woman riding this scarlet beast, and she was a prostitute or a harlot. She was actually called the mother of harlots. So she's given birth to a lot of uh, movements that have prostituted themselves. And we talked about the fact that ultimately, Revelation 17 was talking about a religious system and spiritual prostitution. God, when he paints a picture for his children, the children of Israel, and he asks for their faithfulness to him, whenever, that they, whenever they would get involved with false gods, whenever they would burn uh, incense up on the mountaintops, whenever they would uh, flirt with or mess with other gods, you can go all the way back to the golden calf incident in the Exodus, God painted a picture of spiritual adultery or spiritual prostitution. In essence, we would say the people were cheating on him. They were not showing fidelity to him. They were not showing faithfulness to him. This idea of prostituting oneself against the true God goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. It goes back to the Garden of Eden when the promise came from the deceiver Oh, the day that you eat that fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be as what? As gods, knowing good and evil. The promise of godhood, the promise of exaltation, the promise that you can rise up and be your own god or goddess has been the lie that started at the very beginning. It took more shape as the book of Genesis unfolds after the flood. There was a man who was the mover and shaker behind a place uh, called Babylon or Babel, and his name was Nimrod, and his name means rebellion. And he was probably the prime mover and shaker behind the Tower of Babel. This tower that they decided to erect as they all spoke the same language and they stayed together instead of dispersing upon the earth as God had instructed, they said, we will build a tower, we will make a name for ourselves, and the tower will reach up into the heavens. And there are some commentators that believe that somehow these people thought maybe that they could storm the gates of heaven and take over. After all, that's pretty much been man's desire from the beginning is to take over, to take God's throne, to take God's spot. Or maybe they just made the tower to make a name for themselves, to make an imprint for themselves in history. If you turn to Isaiah 47, there's an address to ancient Babylon, Isaiah chapter 47, as God speaks out against the nation that developed from this system. I will tell you that since Babylon's called the mother of harlots, she's given spawn to all kinds of idolatry. In fact, every pantheon of gods and goddesses, if you go from Egypt and you go down throughout the ages, has really found its birth in Babylon or in ancient Babel. Babel really means confusion ultimately, and that's what false religion brings. It brings confusion to people. There's one God. 
and one mediator between God and man, that is the man, Christ Jesus. And the lie of the enemy from the beginning has been, no, there's more than one God, there's more than one way, but Jesus said, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life, and no one is coming to the Father except through me. By the way, that's what gets Christianity in trouble. You all know that? Because people say, oh, that's a very exclusive claim. You're saying that Jesus is the only way? No, I'm not saying that. That's what Jesus said. Your argument is with Jesus, my friend. Now, if you want to dismiss what he said, I guess that's up to you. But that is what he said. In Isaiah 47, as God is dealing with the nation of Babylon, he says, come down, 47, one of Isaiah, sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no longer be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Remove your veil, strip off the skirt. Uncover the leg, cross the rivers. Your nakedness will be uncovered. Your shame also will be exposed. I will take vengeance and will not spare a man. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit silently and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans another name for the Babylonians. For you will no more be called the Queen of Kingdoms. You might want to mark that and write in your margin Revelation 18. I was angry with my people. I profaned my heritage and gave them into your hand. You did not show mercy to them. On the aged, you made your yoke very heavy. Yet you said, I shall be a queen forever. These things you did not consider, nor remember the outcome of them. Verse 8. Now then, hear this, you sensual one, who dwells securely, who says in your heart, I am, and there was no one besides me. Oops, isn't that what God says about himself? She's trying to be God. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know loss of children, but these two things shall come on you suddenly in one day, loss of children and widowhood. They shall come on you in full measure, in spite of your many sorceries, in spite of the great power of your spells. And you felt secure in your wickedness, and you said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge, they have deluded you. For you said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me, but evil will come on you, which you will not know how to charm away. And disaster will fall on you for which you cannot atone. And destruction about which you do not know will come on you suddenly. Stand fast now in your spells, in your many sorceries with which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you may cause trembling. You are wearied with your many counsels. Let now the astrologers, those who prophesy by the stars, those who predict by the new moon, stand up and save you for what will come upon you. Behold, you, they have become like stubble. Fire burns them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There will be no coal to warm by, nor a fire to sit before. So have those become to you with whom you have labored, who have trafficked with you from your youth. Each one has wandered in his own way. There is no one to save you. Some years ago, uh, I think a television program came out called Revelations. Did you guys ever see the program? It, I don't know if it rings a bell to you. But they quoted a part of Isaiah 14 and completely, or Isaiah 47, and completely took it out of context. 
using this idea of spells and sorcery almost to make it sound good or to make it sound biblical. Just so you know, God is actually castigating Babylon for spreading sorcery to the world, for merchandising people, for being the mother of harlots, for telling people lies. And this is what has happened throughout the ages. If you go back to Revelation chapter 18, and God, God in many ways has put up with it. He has been patient. In Revelation 17, though, religious Babylon is going to fall. And then you could say Revelation 18, if you like to put headings on your Bible, will be commercial Babylon or political Babylon falling. The religious and political system go together. In fact, in Revelation 17, the woman who represents the spiritual side of the equation is riding the beast representing the Antichrist or the political side of the equation. Religion is riding on politics, if you will. Religion and politics, when they come together, it usually doesn't work really well. Christians should be involved in swaying and being righteous within the political system. But if they have an unhealthy marriage, usually religion ends up compromising for the sake of politics. You guys have heard of uh, the euro. There's different images on the euro. The euro coin in Greece actually has a woman riding on top of a beast. It's pretty interesting. It's a new currency called the euro, and a woman is riding on a beast. Well, that's directly from Revelation 17. You can look at a picture on the, on, uh, the internet if you just Google the euro. This is the way the world has been moving, and the world has been moving more and more to a, you might call it, back in the day it was called a new world order. Did you guys hear that being talked about? A new world order. And it was this idea that maybe there can be a one world government. Maybe there can be a one world religion. Maybe that's how the world will all be able to get along. And political leaders, sometimes behind closed doors, and religious leaders, sometimes not so much behind closed doors, have made efforts to synchronize the world. It sounds good. We are the world. We are the children. It sounds good when we sit by the fire and, and we sing the happy campfire songs, but in reality, if Christianity is going to preach its message, it's going to have to be faithful to the gospel. And by virtue of the gospel message, it is quite exclusive. So we've had religious leaders who have tried to, you know, get together with other religious leaders and, you know, in certain contexts to work together on certain things that could perhaps be beneficial, but not for spiritual purposes because we're not praying to the same God, let's face it. It it takes compromise and compromise not in the best sense, but in the worst sense. And so here's what's going to happen. Babylon is going to be judged First of all, you see spiritual Babylon in Revelation 17, and now you have political Babylon. It's going to fall, and it's going to fall hard. And it's a commercial system, really based upon serving the God called Mammon. This is a little hard to talk about to Americans because we live in a very wealthy society. 
We live in a capitalistic society, which is a positive thing, but we live in a very wealthy society, and sometimes the lines between our wealth and how comfortable we need to be and how much money we need to have and how much money we actually give towards the purposes of God confront us consistently. Amen? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And so here's what's going to happen. Babylon is going to be judged. First of all, you see spiritual Babylon in Revelation 17, and now you have political Babylon. It's going to fall, and it's going to fall hard. And it's a commercial system, really based upon serving the god called Mammon. This is a little hard to talk about to Americans because we live in a very wealthy society. We live in a capitalistic society, which is a positive thing, but we live in a very wealthy society, and sometimes the lines between our wealth and how comfortable we need to be and how much money we need to have and how much money we actually give towards the purposes of God confront us consistently, amen? And we have to decide, how comfortable do I need to be? How much money is enough money? How much in my 401k is enough? You guys heard, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the pastor, but his famous speech when he read uh, in uh, Reader's Digest about this elderly couple that moved to Florida and the highlight of their week was, was collecting seashells. Various types of seashells. Let me ask you, what are you living for? Are you going to stand before your maker one day and say, hey, Lord, look at these seashells I collected on the beach. Or I'll make it more personal. Look at this scorecard. I shot 76, Lord. Hmm? Couple of mulligans. and Anyway. I'm not saying you shouldn't collect seashells. I'm not saying you shouldn't play golf, praise the Lord. But (laughs) what I am saying is if your life is not dominated by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
then you are not living for what you were made to do. We have, a, we have people who are probably in the top 10, 20 in worldly wealth. They sit down with interviewers on primetime television and one after the other say, I'm a very unhappy person. I lack inner peace. And you're like, what in the world is going on with that? If, if a house on the hill and fame and fortune is what this life is all about, why are these people not happy? Because that is not what your life is about. Jesus said a man's life is not found in the abundance of the things that he possesses. It's about who you know and where you're going. And our young people going through university systems right now, do you know what their main goals are in life? Pretty much fame and fortune. Because that's what they've been told is the end goal for life. That's Babylon. That's I'll build a tower. I'll make a name for myself. Maybe I'll even be as high as God. And God says, no, you won't. If you want to find your true purpose, serve me. And you will find what life is all about. Fallen, fallen, Revelation 18, 2, a double. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She was great, but she has become, would you notice, a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. What is behind her is demonic. She looked good. She had wealth. She had possessions. She had religion. She had fame. She maybe dominated militarily, but behind her was what? Things that were demonic. She has become a dwelling place of demons. Do you know that there seems to be certain regions of the world that have more demonic activity than others? Why is that? In the book of Daniel, there's indications that there are powers that are over certain regions. There's the prince of Persia and so forth, mentioned in Daniel chapter 10. Why is it that certain places are darker than others? Here's why. Because when God is not there, it becomes dark. When God gets kicked out, when God gets supplanted for whatever the false gods and goddesses may be, it becomes a terrible place. In the book of Isaiah, just write this down for your notes. It's uh, verses 19 through 22 of chapter 13. 13, 19 through 22. Here's what it says of ancient Babylon, but it's set in a last day's day of the Lord context. Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. Nor will the Arab pitch his tent there, nor will shepherds make their flocks lie down there. But desert creatures will lie down there. Their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches uh, also will live there, and shaggy goats will frolic there. Hyenas will howl in their fortified towers, jackals in their luxurious palaces. Her hateful, her, excuse me, her fateful time also will come, and her days will not be prolonged. Throughout the book of Revelation, Babylon gets prophesied against by God and says, you're, you're in trouble. You're going to be judged. And Babylon, although it is somewhat mysterious, some people, some scholars say maybe the area of modern day Iraq will be rebuilt and it will flourish again almost like has happened in Dubai. Have you guys paid attention to Dubai? So it's, it's an incredible place, wealthy 
money flowing in, incredible buildings. Could ancient Babylon in the area of modern-day Iraq rise again? Well, do you know that when Saddam Hussein was uh, doing his, his stuff there, he was actually rebuilding ancient Babylon. He had a coin minted with his picture next to ancient Nebuchadnezzar's picture. He was rebuilding the hanging gardens of Babylon. Why? Well, was it a fulfillment of prophecy? Prophecy, I don't know. Or is Babylon more a composite of that which is anti-God? Is it an anti-God system? I think probably the latter. In Revelation 17, remember when we talked about the beast and the woman that rides on it and the nations and the kings and the seven, horn, seven heads and ten horns? We talked about ancient nations, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. We mentioned the possibility that Nazi Germany could be involved in that list. We talked about how they had one thing in common. Do you remember what the one thing in common they had was? Their hatred and persecution of Israel, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Rome. I mean, this is what they did. They persecuted the woman, Revelation 12. This is the conflict of the ages. And by the way, as the church, you have been grafted into the woman. You have been grafted into the olive tree. And when the serpent, the dragon, saw that he was kicked out, he, met, he went and made war on her offspring, the offspring of the woman, which is likely the church. Have you noticed the church in the world is not necessarily popular? Anybody notice that? Christians are not necessarily popular. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part one of his teaching in Revelation chapter 18 about the judgment of Babylon. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but first a thank you for listening to Walk in Truth. Your support is really appreciated, and we're wondering if it would help spread the word about our program. Whether you're listening on the radio or podcast, would you please share today's teaching with a friend on Facebook or Twitter? You can find this teaching on walkintruth.com or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for helping us spread the word about Walk in Truth. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Hey, I was talking with our program director, Rob Newton, who's looking at me through a window right now. Hey, Rob. <laughs> We're talking about the book of Revelation and how some people have told him the book is scary. Hey, have you ever been to a scary movie? Sometimes, you know, certain people like to be scared. We don't study the book of Revelation to be scared, but is it scary? Well, in one sense it is, especially if you're on the wrong side. <laughs> Let's face it, we've been looking at these chapters on judgment, and it is scary. If you're here during the day of the Lord, uh, you don't want to be here. And so the book is a warning. If you're reading the book, or you've been listening as an unbeliever, maybe you're not a Christian yet, I would tell you, it. I hope and pray it motivates you to be right with God. Even if you're not here for the day of the Lord, you know, we don't even know what a day will bring. We want to make sure that we are saved from the wrath of God, saved from the wrath to come, and that's found in Jesus. And it's because he loves you. So we study the book. The book is intriguing. I don't think that we should ever bury our head in the sand because something may be potentially scary. Remember, it was written for our blessing and encouragement and also for the preparation of that 
final generation that will have to deal with these things. And so the book of Revelation has a lot of value for our lives, a lot of value in our walk. It's a book to be wrestled with. There's differing opinions on the book, but in the end, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you're on his side, you win. And I always want to be on the winning side. And I know you do too. Hey, I want to take a moment to invite you to our Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We're going through the amazing book of Job. We've entitled the whole teaching, The Problem of Evil and the Power of the Gospel. And if you come out tomorrow night, we're going to be looking at Job chapter 17, a message called True Hope. Man, how we all need hope. And even in the book of Job, even with all he deals with, he finds a place to begin to look at what true comfort looks like that and an advocate and a mediator and a redeemer. And with all his questions, he is mining away and getting to the gospel. You see, Job is really a picture that foreshadows the greater Job, Jesus, the the ultimate innocent sufferer who does something called redemptive suffering. He suffers in our place. And so as we study the hard things of Job, the problem of evil, we'll begin to see the light of the gospel and the greater Job. His name is Jesus. I want to invite you to come on out for the book of Job, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. You can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. Download it. Put it on your phone. You can listen to messages, find out what's going on at the church, and get information and directions to the services. I'll see you there for the Book of Job. Be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation chapter 18 about the judgment of Babylon. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.